Well, let's look at Romans chapter 8. We all have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful that our boys and girls took the time this week to remind us that we do. But what I want to talk to you about this morning are some things that I'm thankful that I don't have. We can all list the things that we have that we're thankful for, but what's on my heart today is the things that I don't have that I'm thankful for. And out of Romans chapter 8, I just want to give you five quick things to think about today. And Logan, you can think about these the week ahead. I would encourage everybody maybe to take Romans chapter 8. And maybe read it every day this week during the week of Thanksgiving. Jot down some notes from today's message and think about the points that we'll talk about, the things that we're thankful for that we do not have. Number one, I'm thankful that I have no condemnation for my sin. No condemnation for my sin. Look at verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned. We're no longer guilty before God if we're in Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you, what's that word? Free. Free in Christ Jesus. From what? From the law of sin and death. Why? How? Because God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. You know what the law could not do? The law could tell you you're guilty, right? The Bible can tell us we're guilty, But it cannot make us righteous. Jesus has done for us what the law could not do. He not only shows us in love our guilt, but he provides his righteousness to us as a gift through his finished work at the cross. How did God do that? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Notice that he condemned sin, not us. Our sin was condemned by Jesus at the cross. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteous requirement of the law is you must be perfect in every way to have a relationship with God. That's what the law requires. The law points out that we aren't righteous. It can't make us righteous. But Christ provides His righteousness to us as a gift by grace through faith. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What's all that saying? It's saying this. If you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, these these words are for you. You're no longer guilty. You're no longer under any condemnation from God because of your sin. Listen, regardless of whatever guilt or, or shame that you may be carrying around today from something that happened last night, or last week, or last year. There's no place for that now in your life as a child of God because you've been forgiven. Your sins have been taken away. There's no condemnation. You remember playing Pac-Man as a kid? I know some of y'all are about my age, right? We can, we can even hear the song playing in our head right now. And, and all these ghosts are chasing you in Pac-Man until you eat one of those power pellets. And then when you eat those power pellets, the tune of the game sort of changes, the pace picks up, and now instead of the ghost chasing you, you're chasing the ghost. Well, listen, people of God, we have more than a simple little power pellet in us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And in the power and the grace and the presence of God, we don't have to be chased by the ghost of our past anymore. By the mercy and the grace and the presence of God, we can eliminate those Ghost from our lives and walk in the freedom that Christ has bought for us through his work at the cross. You know, Satan loves to say 
Shame on you, Todd. But Jesus says, no, shame off you. Guilt off of you. There's no condemnation. You're forgiven. Secondly, not only am I thankful that we have no condemnation, we're forgiven, but secondly, I'm thankful that I have no obligation to my flesh. I'm free. In other words, I don't have to do what this old sin nature in me tells me to do. Before I knew Jesus, I was obligated. I had no choice. That was the only operating system in me, was sin. And I was a slave to sin. But now there's a new operating system that's within me. It's the presence of Christ. Now I'm not obligated to that old operating system. I'm not obligated to my flesh. When sin came into the world in Genesis chapter 3, sin took all of us captive, made all of us its slaves. But there was something else beautiful that happened in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus stepped into the garden and he made a, remember the timeline? The promise. That's right, boys and girls, the promise. He promised to send a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross in our place. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts. And now we're the sons and the daughters of God. So now, because I have that operating system inside of me, I have no more obligation to my sinful flesh. I'm free. Look at verse 5. We're going to read this chunk really quickly. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. See, now there's a choice. You see this? There's an option. We're no longer obligated to the one. We have this new operating system, the presence of God within us. Verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, watch it, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. New operating system. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors. You know what that means? You're no longer obligated. We're no longer debtors, not to the flesh. We're no longer obligated to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. In other words, we don't run from God now, right? We're running to God. When when sin, when we still stumble and fall in our sin, we don't run from God. We run to God. He's our loving Heavenly Father. How how do we know that He's our loving Heavenly Father? Look at verse 16. Because the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. That we are children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. I am so thankful 
this Thanksgiving week for what I don't have. I don't have any condemnation because of sin. I'm forgiven. I don't have any obligation to that old sin nature. I'm free because of Christ in me. Number three, I'm thankful that I have no tribulation that will last. Oh, we do have tribulation. Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. And we certainly know that to be true. But this tribulation that we know is not going to last. Look at verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. You might want to underline that word present. These sufferings aren't forever. They're not going to last. They have an expiration date. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Listen, present sufferings are real. I don't have to tell you that. Some of you today in this room, some of you today, wherever you may be, your suffering is tremendous. I'm not calling that into question. But I am reminding you it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. Present sufferings, chronic pain. I'm so thankful I don't deal with chronic pain. I have enough, but not near like some of you. Chronic pain, depression. I might have a little, but not like a lot of people do. Not like some of you. Loneliness. There's times in my life I feel that, but not near like some of you who need a television or some noise to fall asleep at night. Cancer treatments. I've never had those. I hope I never will, but a lot of you know what that kind of suffering's like. The loss of a spouse, the loss of a child. Our present suffering is real. Did you know that in this year when our church family's been so scattered, we've had 14 members go home to be with the Lord? And there's another 16 people who aren't members of our church who passed away this year, who left behind members in our church who were either their son or daughter or mom or dad. Think about that. Nobody's minimizing here today the reality of our suffering. But I am reminding you, according to God's word, while your suffering is present, it's not eternal. It's not going to be with you forever. And I'm reminding you that while life may be hard and you are pressed, it seems like sometimes on every side, because of Jesus, you will not be crushed. That while sometimes you may feel persecuted in this world, you will never be abandoned. That while you may be deeply perplexed at times, you will never come to that place of full-on despair. And even if you find yourself struck down by some hardship in this life, you will not ever be utterly destroyed. If you're suffering today, you're not alone. We're all going to know suffering. Paul says all creation feels it. Look at what he says in verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Can't we just feel the whole world groaning? And we groaning with it. Paul says, verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. See, right now, in the middle of all this suffering, In the middle of all your suffering, all you may have is hope. But I'm going to tell you today something maybe kind of stunning. But right now, that's all you need is hope. God created hope for moments like you're going through right now. Because when He calls you home, you're not going to need hope anymore. You're not going to need faith anymore. Paul said, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is what? Love. When our faith becomes sight, we don't need faith anymore. When we're in a place that we're no longer hoping that bad things work together for our good, we don't need hope anymore. So when all you have in the struggle is faith and hope, learn in the middle of the struggle to embrace and celebrate the faith and the hope that you have because you're not going to have faith and hope beyond this life. They're only temporary. God gave them to us for this life, for now. Let me say happy late Veterans Day, too, by the way, to our veterans. That's not a random thought that just came to me. I was thinking about this powerful gift that God's given us called hope, and I thought about my grandfather. He was captured by the Japanese in World War II. I think he was 19 years old at that time. And he said this about his captivity. He said, they took all that we had, including our socks and shoes. No big surprise, they also took my watch. For whatever reason, they did not take our dog tags. We were bound by the feet and bound by the hands with our hands in front of us. We were beat with their fists and with sticks that I guess were cane poles during questioning. We told them all they needed to know which was only our names. This questioning happened numerous times during the 17 days. We were all loyal, and I knew on day one of 17 that we would be loyal. He said this, he said, I said above that they took all we had, but they did not take our hope. Listen, your struggles are real, but you're going to outlast them. We have this hope. God has given you this companion for this life called hope. And when the struggle gets really difficult, that's when you'll find what a gift this companion called hope really is. I'm kind of learning, Scott, the older I get, the greater a companion hope really is to me. But not only as children of God do we have hope, but we have someone else too. We have the Holy Spirit. And that brings me to number four. I'm thankful that I have no isolation when I'm weak. Well, it's a bad thing to be weak. But it's even worse to be alone 
and to be weak. But I'm thankful this Thanksgiving that I will never be alone in my weakness. I will have no isolation ever in my weakness. Why? Because of verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, what does He do? He helps. He helps us in our weakness. That word helps there really kind of has the idea of a, a, a single person trying to lift something that's heavy. And he's unable to lift that by himself. And another person comes alongside that person and helps them bear the weight of it. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. He comes along in these moments of weakness when it seems like the burden is too heavy. Too much for us to bear. People like to say, God will never give you more than you can bear. False. He will always give you more than you can bear. If you can always bear what God's going to give you, there's no need for the Holy Spirit in your life. God's always going to put His people in places that are beyond what we can handle so that we can know the incomparable riches of His glory, the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, who's going to come along and help us bear what we thought we could not. Help us carry the load that we thought we were unable to carry. Paul says this, continuing in verse 26, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. See, sometimes we think, God, I'm going to pray that you don't give me a heavy load. I'm going to pray that this doesn't happen to me. I'm going to pray that you're going to do this for me. Paul says, sometimes we don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit Himself, intercedes or prays for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of, not the saints, but according to the will of God. We pray according to our will. And we like to at the end of that say, but let thy will be done. But we're usually praying, this is my will, right? And this is what I'm praying for. And that's okay. That's, that's how we're to approach the throne of God. That's just us and our humanity. But the Holy Spirit's praying at a greater place. He's praying the will of God in our life. And, and that might explain, Ken, why we don't always get everything we pray for. Because what I'm praying for is not always what I need. But I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit, in those moments that I'm weak, and, and I, I'm praying prayers that maybe are just temporal and superficial. I'm thankful that I have no isolation in my weakness, but I have a prayer partner, the Holy Spirit, who's praying with me and praying for me. And he's praying that not my will would be given to me from God, but that God's will would be what God gives me. So maybe when you pray, God, give me a new job. I can't handle the stress of this place anymore okay to pray that. God understands that. Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. We're, we are to go to God in that weakness. But God may know something we don't know. The Holy Spirit may pray on our behalf, hey listen, don't give Brian that new job. He's under a lot of stress right now relocating that business. But, but Father, what, what Brian needs is not to leave that weight behind and just move on, but he needs to know the presence of me, the Holy Spirit, along with him, lifting that up and helping him to do what he thought could not be done. Helping him to bear that burden. Because what he ultimately needs is not relief, but he needs to know you more. He needs to know you better. So the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. We have no isolation 
and our weakness. Our helper is with us and he will help us. Maybe that great theologian Garth Brooks was right. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? Just needed the cowboy hat, we'd have that. Look at verse 28, making sure y'all are awake. And we know that for those who love God, isn't this amazing? All things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. I just can't get past that verse without pointing out. Notice he didn't lose anybody in between. If you get justified, you're going to get glorified. There is no loss of justification. There is no loss of salvation. Those he justifies, he glorifies. Nothing is going to stop the purposes and the plans of God for you. And all along the way, there may be times that you feel alone, but you will never be isolated. Even in your greatest weakness, you will never be isolated because you always have the help of the Holy Spirit. So what are we saying this morning, Grace Life? I'm thankful for what I don't have. I don't have any condemnation because of my sin. I'm forgiven. I don't have any obligation to my flesh. I'm free. I don't have any tribulation that's going to last. Because in this life, I've got faith and I've got hope. And I don't have any isolation in my weakness because I have a friend, a helper in the Holy Spirit of God. And fifth and finally, I'm thankful that I have no separation. I have no separation from God's love. Look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The way I've always kind of in my mind read that, if God is for us, who cares who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for who? For us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brian, if God would give his son to save your soul, you think he's going to leave you hanging in the job? You think he's not going to help you lift the weight, carry the load, bear the burden? Why do we think that he would not graciously give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us wrap your brain around that right now jesus is praying for you the holy spirit's praying for you who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or covid or 2020 or politicians or anything else as it is written for your sake we're being killed all the day long we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him 
who loved us. For I am sure, listen, Paul says, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, no matter what has happened to us this year, we have a lot to be thankful for. But at the top of my list are things that I'm thankful I don't have. I have no condemnation for my sin. I'm forgiven. I have no obligation to my flesh. I'm free. I have no tribulation that's going to last. And I have faith and hope to see me through it. We have no isolation when we're weak. We have a friend in the Holy Spirit. And we have no separation from the love of God. We have a Father that's loving us forever. So boys and girls, I just want to say thank you for reminding us today that we have a lot to be thankful for. If your mom and dad are like my children's mom and dad, we needed to be reminded today that we have a lot to be thankful for. A lot of us this year have forgotten just how much we really have to be thankful for. And I pray that this Thanksgiving at the top of our list will be thankfulness for these five things that we do not have. Let's pray. God, we bow our hearts before you grateful today and desiring that by your grace there would be a greater spirit of gratitude in us as we come down the home stretch now of what has been a challenging a challenging year holy spirit would you do a great work of grace in our hearts this thanksgiving and cause us to be overwhelmed and overflowing with thanksgiving to our God. Would you help us to set our mind on things above? Would you bring Romans 8 to our mind this week? May we commit to reading through it daily, perhaps multiple times daily. And in doing so, may we preach the gospel to ourselves and be reminded of what we do not have and because of Jesus what we will never have and may we rejoice and be thankful and give you glory as you give us joy we pray it in Jesus good name let's stand and let's worship the Lord together you too don't check out on live stream, all right? I know it's kind of weird. Thinking maybe by yourself or with two or three people in the room. Would you do it? Would you join with us this morning? And let's all celebrate the Lord. Let's worship Him.